It's time again for a wild conversation with the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Here are Jess and Wiggy. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Wild Conversation with myself and Wiggy and Manita Prasad, zoologist at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Hello, Manita. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? We're doing pretty good. How was your week? It was hectic, but good. How was your guys' week? Same here. Hectic, but good. But we always look forward to Thursdays when we can uh, record with you. And the topic this week is a big one because we know that here in BC, we have been affected by wildfires more so in the past than more recent years. But let's dive into it. Uh, Wildfires are uh, wildfires as a natural process. What does this mean? So wildfires are actually a natural process because they, they have shaped ecosystems for millions of years. So wildfires today actually burn larger, they burn longer, and frequently occur outside of the normal fire season. So here in BC, our fire season normally is from April through October. Mm -hmm. Um, But because our seasons thus far this year have been pretty wet, so we've been lucky and we haven't really had a high volume of wildfires so far this year. I know in March there had been one that was sparked somewhere. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I was thinking to myself, like, this is a little bit early for our fire season. Like, why is this happening? Was it just because March was kind of unusually drier than normal? Yeah, and March was incredibly warm for what we normally experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is interesting because you hear so much about British Columbia being so wet and so rainy, but so how, you know, how does this work with, with wildfires when you hear so much about that kind of stuff? Yeah, so normally like the BC coast, we're considered a temperate rainforest. So we do normally have very wet spring seasons, but over the last few years, it's been um, a lot less uh, snowpack. Uh, which impacts how quickly we use up our, our water stores and how much moisture is so- soaked in the soil. So when it does warm up, those water stores are used up a lot quicker. Uh, and, you know, they they can help wildfires take over. Now, more so in the interior than here in, let's say, the Fraser Valley, because it's a drier, warmer climate in places like Kamloops or just outside of Kamloops. Um, I know a few years ago there was a terrible, a couple terrible ones in the Kootenays, and my family had gone up there for my cousin's wedding, and we're driving through the Kootenay Pass where there was one just on the other side kind of of the mountains, and I could literally smell the bark burning off the trees. It was that bad. Yeah. And we've had a couple of really bad fires. Remember a couple of years ago where it was just so smoky in the lower mainland that we were living in a haze and the sun appeared to be like a blood orange? Yeah, it was creepy. It was like apocalyptic almost. Yeah, yeah, that's almost what it feels like. But but like you said, people who, who live in like the Okanagan uh, region, they experience this on a yearly basis. It's, it's normal for them, whereas us on, on the coast, it's something that we don't often experience. It's the Wild Conversation with Manita Prasad, Greater Vancouver Zoo. She's a zoologist there. And, and I see here on the sheet in front of me that wildfires are an essential part of life. Now, when most people hear that, I'm, I assume that they would kind of go, huh, how is that essential? <laughs> yeah, well, these disruptions actually help promote new growth. Um, so there are different severities of fires. So less severe fires 
help clear out undergrowth. So things like grasses, shrubs, leaves and branches, things that really make up the understory. Uh, and more severe fires will help thin dense tree canopy. So by helping thin the canopy, you're allowing more sunlight to penetrate to the forest floors, um, which helps promote the growth of pioneer plants, um, things like mosses and ferns. Okay. Now, Wiggy is from Ontario. And Wiggy, you don't necessarily have too many wildfires out there. Not that I've heard of anyway. No, not that I can remember. Um, but, you know, we do, we, you know, the odd time in the summertime when it's super dry, we'll have a, we'll have an open fire ban on. Right. Because yeah. it's so dry. Now, right. he hasn't had a chance to take a drive up through the Okanagan or, or Princeton where there has been these large wildfires in the past. And when you're going up there and you're driving, you can just see the devastation that these fires have caused with all of the trees. But underneath that, there's stuff growing again? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, like, you know, when we see damage, we see the devastation, we see the charred burnt trees. We don't think about um, the different benefits that it can have to to wildlife and even plants. Like there are trees like the large lodgepole pine that really rely on fires for seed dispersal because their cones are actually sealed in a type of resin that only opens to release the seed when it's exposed to extreme heat. Wow, that's really interesting because to me, when I'm thinking of wildfires and trees, it's just completely heartbreaking to see them all burnt to shards and and just, you know, standing there as a stick, you know. Um, But really, it's good for the environment. Yeah, it is. Because wildlife do actually depend on wildfires. Um, It does create a patchwork pattern of successional phases in the environment which provides a more diverse habitat for different species. Um, And there are endangered species that rely on fire, like the tailored checkered spot butterfly, one of the conservation animals that we work with at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. They require um, primary growth plants uh, because there's different larval host plants and different nectar sources for the adults. And those plants only tend to grow right after the area is disturbed. So they need that uh, disturbance in order to have their food sources to survive. And this brings us into our next bullet point here, wildlife influencing wildfire. Let's talk about grazers. So large grazers, animals like bison, they do actually eat a lot of grasses. And grasses are highly flammable, so they are considered a, a fine fuel. So in dry landscapes, animals play an important role in managing wildfire. Really? What kind of animals would we find, let's say, up in the Okanagan who would be grazing in a a wildfire, where a wildfire has been? Uh, So things like moose, uh, different ungulates like white-tailed deer, that sort of thing. Those are generally the grazers and the browsers um, in that area. But uh, in some ecosystems, the tastiest plants, are also the least flammable. (laughs) So the least flammable ones are the deciduous trees, so things like cottonwood and willow. And those are some of the trees that the browsers prefer. So it leaves behind a lot of the conifers, like the pine trees and the fir trees, which kind of act like ladder fuels during a wildfire. So it, it really creates a bridge from the forest floor to the canopies, which can spark crown fires. And we do get a lot of that in the Okanagan region because there are so many pine and fir trees there. Wow. What about insects? Insects. So um, like we've all heard about the, the pine beetles, right? Yes. 
So they actually have a boring behavior which weakens and kills trees. Um, and it kills trees because it really reduces the moisture content in them. And by reducing the moisture content, they're making those trees easier to ignite. I see. Because, yeah, when you're driving in the Okanagan, you see those, they live like a little tent kind of looking thing that are hanging from the trees. Are those for those pine beetles? Or like they use it to, to trap insects so they can monitor insect population. So sometimes it's for moths or all. Right. Right. You are listening to a wild conversation with zoologist Manita Prasad from the Greater Vancouver Zoo. And when we come back, more on wildfires. Journey back in time and walk with the dinosaurs at Greater Vancouver Zoo's new Mesozoic Adventure. Explore, learn, discover at the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Visit gvzoo.com. Now back to a wild conversation with the Greater Vancouver Zoo. Here are Jess and Wiggy. We're back with a wild conversation with Manita Prasad. She's from the Greater Vancouver Zoo. She's a zoologist. And this week on the show, we're talking about wildfires, specifically wildlife influencing wildfires. And um, let's talk about animal movement and behavior. What, what should we know about that, Manita? So there are different ways that animals can, can impact wildfires. So, for example, insects in leaf litter. Uh, they consume dead leaves and, tr- and twigs, which helps break down the material into smaller pieces, making it easier for microorganisms to consume and reduce the amount of the fine fuel available to burn. So, uh, But when you think of larger animals, um, animal movement uh, really tramples a lot of a lot of the understory, a lot of the plants, and, and different behaviors like digging can alter how a landscape burns. So by compacting plants and covering them with soil, we're reducing the amount of air running through them so they don't ignite as easily. Oh my, my mind is blown right now because when you, for us who don't know necessarily all this stuff about wildfires and how they're, you know, it can actually be good for, for an ecosystem. But when we're driving, we're looking and we're like, man, look at that devastation. And it's just completely wiped out an entire forest. But we, we need to realize what's actually happening underneath all of that. Yeah, exactly. Like, so think about animals like woodpeckers. Woodpeckers really rely on dead trees for nesting sites and for foraging because a lot of insects, like beetles, are attracted to these burned trees. Right. I can't stop thinking about like a, a charred steak. Like we like our steaks <laughs> and chicken charred, right? The animals like their uh, their food nice and burnt and charred as well. Yeah, some of them do. <laughs> I do also think of like larger animals like megafauna. So think about an elephant walking through dense vegetation. Like they're going to make a huge impact. And they actually trample pathways that are wide enough that they act as natural fire breaks. Oh, okay. So it kind of breaks up the path of the fire. Yeah, exactly. So the fire kind of ends when the dense vegetation ends because all of a sudden there's all this trampled underbury that really isn't enough fuel for the fire to continue. Wow. Now, I, now this is the sad part and the reality of wildfires, but I know when we hear about the wildfires specifically close to home here in BC, I can't help but think about the wildlife who are having to flee the fires and the bears and the cougars and the deer and the little bunnies and the birds. What do animals do in wildfires? And the squirrels. Oh, yeah, and the squirrels. <laughs> and the squirrels. You know, I think when we all think of wildfires, we have 
images of of Bambi. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that's one of my my first Im- images when I think of how a wildfire has impacted the species. And I remember crying when watching that movie and thinking, "Oh my gosh, wildfires are so terrible." Yeah. But Animals can actually sense danger. So most of them will run away or stand in streams um, to avoid the hazards because, again, streams will act as a natural fire break as well. Yeah, that would make sense because fire can't jump the water, obviously. Yeah, exactly. I, and yep. sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. Smaller animals uh, will take cover in things like uh, logs under rocks or even bury themselves in in the dirt. And burrowers will just retreat down their holes because it's a lot cooler down there and they're not impacted uh, by the fires that they run through. I I know that there's always an every fire, every wildfire season, uh, there's always the images of that one deer kind of standing looking at this gigantic plume of smoke and and inferno and it's standing in a lake or something like that i'm not sure if you've seen that it it floats around from time to time and it's like i don't know where it was originally taken but it you know you can tell that they kind of go for that water source yeah yeah exactly it it really is a a smart thing to do um some animals do actually take advantage of wildfires like predators so oh to feast on on the smaller fleet They're just ruthless sometimes, aren't they? Got to get them while they're weak. Yep, and it, it, it is a, a natural part of life. But uh, So ultimately we know that wildfire causes wildlife to move. Uh, some animals may not escape, uh, but it usually is a small percentage. So animals that are, you know, uh, the younger ones that are too small to flee uh, or elderly ones that, again, have reduced mobility that might not be able to escape uh, fast enough. But a lot of the mortalities come after the fire has passed due to loss of habitat and loss of food sources. So it really does cause the animals to move on because they are going to have to in order to survive. We're chatting wildfires this week on a wild conversation with Manita Prasad. And um, how can we as humans help prevent wildfires? Well, it's really important to find out what fire ban restrictions are. Um, in your area before starting a fire. I know campfire season is in, in full swing. It's really important to remove all the flammable material from the area around where you plan on having your, your campfire. Never have a fire when it's too windy because often the embers can be carried away and, and start a fire somewhere else. Uh, it's important to create a barrier around your, your fire with rocks. Uh, so it kind of acts as a fire break, especially if it's not in a proper fire pit. Um, ensure you're at least three meters away from trees and bushes or any other structure that could potentially be um, flammable. Never leave a fire unattended. Always have water close by, and it is actually recommended to have at least eight liters of water wow. or like be close to a hose. Or have something uh, like a tool, like a shovel, so you can shovel dirt onto a fire. Again, by shoveling the dirt on the fire, you're smothering it and taking the the oxygen away. And as, Uh, yep. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and as the uh, great Smokey Bear once said, only you can prevent forest fires. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Exactly. A, a fond memory from all of our childhood. Yes, exactly. It's always stuck in my mind. Uh, do you have some wildfire facts for us? Yeah, I do. So about 80% of wildfires are actually man-made, and that's about four out of five fires. So it, they can be started by things like arson, um, by people who don't extinguish their, their cigarettes um, appropriately, and by campfires, unfortunately. Wow. I I remember camping last year, and uh, we had gone away from our fire for, and it wasn't high, it was just smoking. It was kind of, you know, at the end. And we went down to the lake for a little bit and not realizing all of us had left the fire unattended and the um, conservation pulled in and came down to us and was very close to giving us a ticket. And we were like, no, we totally forgot. Like, it's just that thing that you need to remember to do when you're uh, when you're camping this year. Yeah, for sure. And there is also like most people don't know there's an appropriate size for for a campfire. Yeah. Your campfire shouldn't be larger than. 0.5 meters high yep. or 0.5 meters wide. So you really have to make an effort to control the size of your fire because it, it can go, get out of control so quickly. Manita, any other facts that we need to, to know about? Yeah, lightning strikes mm. the earth over 100,000 times a day. And about 10 to 20% of that, those strikes do actually cause fire. So it is a natural process that does occur. Um, anything, forest fires travel faster uphill rather than downhill. So the steeper the slope, the faster the fire travels. And that's something that we don't often think about. Um, the surface, the average surface fire on the forest floor might have flames about one meter high. And those flames can actually reach temperatures of 800 degrees Celsius. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, there's sometimes when uh, there is forest fires that are close to a community and people are trying to flee and you hear them or there's video of them in the car and they can feel the heat of the fire within their car. And that and like that's how hot it is. Yeah. And, and that's a, I can imagine to be a very scary feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else really quickly, Manita? Um. Oh, wildfires can produce fire tornadoes or fire whirls. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> it does sound terrifying, does it? It's, it's superheated, highly unstable dry air near the ground, which breaks through boundary layers and shoots upwards in a swirling motion. And they can actually reach velocities of up to 145 kilometers an hour. Oh, my goodness. On that note... That is the end of the episode. We are freaked out now. No, <laughs> that sounds terrifying. And I, I've heard of those before and I've seen them uh, like in movies and stuff like that. But um, Manita, again, thank you very much for all of this information. Some important stuff in here as we are in wildfire season here in BC. Uh, so thank you. Excellent. It's always wonderful talking to you both.